we look at this year that is before us, I see a lot of challenges. I see a lot of good, and I see a lot of things to be concerned about. I see uh, an opportunity for us as a church that we should embrace. Um, I'm not a prophet. I've told you that many times, and I don't prophesy, because anything I predict usually goes exactly opposite of the way that I say. But if I was to predict for this coming year, I would think that we're going to see uh, a political divide even greater than we've already dealt with. I think it's going to be pure insanity in the coming year. I think that the uh, battle against Christianity and Christian values is going to intensify uh, very strongly. They don't like us. And uh, the fact is that the numbers of people that are anti-Christian are growing by the day uh, because, as I mentioned many times, our schools are pumping them out and more and more of them are turning 18 every day. So, in a sense, we are uh, slowly being outnumbered in, uh, in that regard. Our um, Congress has the, the lowest number of people claiming Christianity that, than ever in history. So I think we have challenges coming ahead of us, but I don't say that in a uh, down-in-the-mouth way. When we see these challenges, they are, we need to look at them for what they are. They are genuinely challenges. What does God do when the church is back to the wall and things get the hardest? He always makes himself real. He always shows himself real. When Israel was at their lowest point, God always showed up. You know, when the church has been in its worst time of persecution, God always showed up. We're not facing persecution yet. I, I have no doubt at some future point we will, but right now we're not. I'm just saying this to say that we as a body right here have a challenge ahead of us this year. It's not going to get any easier being a Christian. It's not going to get any simpler. It's going to get more difficult as the days go by. But at the same time, there is always a group of people that the Holy Spirit is working on. He gets into the hearts and he draws them. And what he does is he sets up those divine appointments I've talked about many times where you walk into a post office and you just think you're going to get your mail, but God has somebody there that you're supposed to talk to. And he puts that together in a way that later you just go, wow, what just happened? or the grocery store, or at work, or wherever it may be. And God is preparing hearts right here in our community for you to reach out to this year. He is setting up appointments for you to talk to people. You say, I've just got to run to the store and get gas. Well, you may be running to the store to save the life of somebody. It can be that, that way. And so, as we look at this year, we need to embrace that, yeah, things are going to get more difficult. We believe that. But the church has never done well in prosperity. Has it? The church has never done well in prosperity. Israel never did well in prosperity. Because easily, and as soon as prosperity hits, then complacency sets in and coldness towards God sets in and their, their minds and their hearts get directed different, different ways instead of being focused on the Lord. And then when difficulty hits, they get pulled back 
into their relationship with God. I, I believe that's going to happen in the coming year. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen economically in the country. We have some predicting gloom and doom, and we have others predicting prosperity. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that the Lord God Almighty is going to be on the throne whether it's prosperity or not. The Lord is going to be in charge. I want to go to the book of John in chapter 21. John chapter 21. In this coming year, you and your family will face great blessings. Wonderful things will happen. Babies will be born. People will be married. Maybe not at the hitching post, you know, maybe at a regular wedding, but then people will get married. (laughs) Great and wonderful things will happen in this coming year. But in this coming year, you'll face loss. People will pass away. Difficulties will hit. Cars will break down. Health will fail in certain areas. All those things will happen. It's part of life. We deal with it every single year. Uh, I remember when we, and I think I've mentioned this before, when we were first married, we went to a revival and the preacher gave us a prophecy that said that the devil is going to wage war on you and your little bride. Well, Deb was pregnant with Jimmy and she panicked. First thing that hit her mind is she was going to lose the baby. She was scared to death. And then it kind of hit me later on and I was like, the devil's always waging war on me. Come on. What? (laughs) I just kind of dismissed it after that. The simple fact is, and I can tell you folks, that the devil's going to wage war on you this year. He is going to. But the Holy Spirit is going to be with you in this coming year. He is never going to leave you and never going to forsake you. To all you who are looking at me half lost, I said John 21. (laughs) John 21. The Holy Spirit is going to do... I, I was talking to somebody at our, our uh, company meeting yesterday, and she was talking about how the Holy Spirit had directed certain things in her life. And I was thinking at the time, I thought, you know, I don't hear that enough anymore, where people say, the Holy Spirit directed me to do something or, or whatnot. And that blessed me to even hear that said. Because, folks, the Holy Spirit directs you. He does. He directs you. He guides you. If you're born again... The Holy Spirit is directing your life. And He will tell you what to do, what not to do. He will do that. John 21, verse 5. And it says, So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Others do with total commitment and devotion. He said, and this is in the Amplified, I'm sorry. Uh, he, and He said, Lord, you know that I love you. And with a deep personal affection, as for a close friend, Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Am I missing it? Fifteen. I'm sorry. I actually cut and pasted that. And so that one wasn't my fault. That's actually what cut and pasted in here. Verse 5. I actually hesitated when I read that because I was thinking, I thought it was further down the passage than that. It is. Usually it's me that messes it up, but that was Bible Gateway. I'm blaming them. (laughs) Let me start again. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Uh, With total commitment and devotion. And he said to him, yes, Lord. 
You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with total commitment and devotion? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend? And Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you really love me with a deep personal affection as for a close friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Lord, I just ask God that you'll open your word and apply it to our hearts today. Let me speak what your spirit would speak, nothing more, nothing less. And I thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you know the, the story. You've heard it many times. And he's asking him, do you, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. And then he says again, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you. And he says again, do you love me? Yes. Yes, Lord, I love you. Come on. But I want to look at the other side of it where Jesus said the first time, feed my lambs, feed them. Uh, And what we see here is, first of all, when you're talking about this love, this word in the Greek comes from a root word that, that not only means love, but it also means a friendship. There is more to it. It also means service. That, that root word that, these, that this word comes from talks about a friendship, a service, a, a, a love, something that is beyond just a superficial uh, love or affection. Uh, see, nowadays we say love about everything. You know, you, you, you turn on the voice and somebody sings a good song, you say, oh, I just love them. You love them? Really? Is that what you, you love them? You don't even know them probably wouldn't even like them if you met them. (laughs) It's not about that. We use that word so flippantly, but this word in the Greek, in the root word here, actually puts a couple of things together. It's beyond just an affection. It's beyond just an emotion or a feeling. It actually puts legs to your love. It actually puts some kind of a a responsibility to your love. See, when you're a a friend uh, and, and you say, well, Uh, you're my friend, you don't owe me anything. Well, in a sense, that's not true. Because a friend owes you everything. In your heart, you don't, you you realize that as a friend, you should be able to call them at two o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I'm stuck in the ditch, will you come get me? Your friend will say, I'll be there. Will they be happy to do it? No, they're not going to be thrilled, but they're going to go out and they're going to dig through the snow and they're going to find their chain and they're going to go out and and lay in the snow to chain up their truck and they're going to drive to the middle of Timbuktu and they're going to pull you out because you are their friend. So in a sense, they do owe you. There's a a responsibility that goes to that friendship. And I like to believe that anyone here feels that way about your brothers and sisters in this this church. It's it's in a sense laying down your life for them. You will do what needs to be done for them. You minister to to them. And and so Jesus is, is saying, Peter, do you love me that way? Do you love me beyond an affection? Do you love me to the point where you will do instead of just say... That there's a love. And he said, yes, of course. And he said, then feed my sheep. Now, there's several ways you can feed. 
You can take them to uh, the block after church and you can buy them dinner and you fed them. Then that's one thing. And that's part of it. And, and I've, that's something that disturbs me about the church world today and there's really nothing you can do about it. It used to be in the United States of America when people were in need, they turned to the church. And the church had soup kitchens across our land and we had clothing banks across the land. Everywhere you went, in every town, every city, churches had places for the needy to come and get what they needed and the church rallied to do that. But unfortunately, now the government feels like it's their job to do that. So the government has stepped in and decided to start paying for people who are in need. And the church, unfortunately, said, that's awesome. Let's spend our money to build bigger buildings and gymnasiums and all kinds of cool things. And so the church has lost sight on the ministry that it was called to do because the government took the job. And we were glad to let the government take that job. But really, it is the job of the church, and it's always historically been, the church built built uh, hospitals and built soup kitchens and built clothing banks and built uh, shelters and and built orphanages and and all these things. And it still does in other lands for the most part, but very little here in the United States because the government has taken that role. But just because the government has taken that job does not mean that the church does not have a responsibility to feed because not all feeding is a meal before you. And I think I mentioned last week that we don't really understand need like our parents or grandparents did who went through the Great Depression. Need today is, you know, if you're struggling to pay for your iPhone. You know, that's a, that's a need nowadays. Uh, but but they, they had needs back then where they didn't know whether there was going to be food on the table at the end of the day, you know, or uh, mealtime. And so there's different ways to feed And I see that the job of the church is very, very much to take the message of this gospel, this bread of life, and give it to people. And get that message out to people. We have to feed people. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And he's the the word that he uses there about feeding, feeding my lambs, is basically nourish them. Give them something. And I worry, and if I... I, uh, was to predict about the church condition in America, I think that the church as a whole, and I'm talking general church, I think they're going to get weaker over the next year. I think they're going to be less gospel because, frankly, too many preachers are afraid to preach the truth because they'll lose their checkbook or they'll lose their bank account if they do that. And they're afraid. If I preach truth, if I take the right stand, I'm going to lose what I have, and they're afraid to preach the truth. And I think that that's where we're going as a nation. But that does not mean that the true church does not continue to preach the truth. The truth is vitally important. We don't back down from it. We don't slip away from it. And when somebody says, is is homosexuality a sin? We stand and uh, square and look them in the eyes and say, God died for that homosexual and he loves them, but yes, it's sin. We don't hate them, we don't kick stones on them, we don't want to kill them, but we love them enough to stand there and say, yes, it's sin. And that can go for, for any adultery or lying or thievery, whatever it is. If it's sin, it's sin. There is no backing down from that. But it's got to be in America today to where that's kind of the trap. And I, I mentioned that a few weeks ago because of that young singer, that gospel singer that, that got herself in a spot and she went on 
whatever stupid show, the, the View or Ellen or one of those retarded shows, and they ask her point blank, and I, and I actually felt sorry for the poor kid. I mean, she's like early 20s, and she's stuck in that position, and, and she backpedaled, and of course she got hit from the, from the Christian side very hard on it, and I'm just like, ah, that's one of those gotcha got questions. They'll get you, they'll come after you, and they just hope that you, that you answer it the, the way, the wrong way, so that they can come after you for it. But the simple fact is, folks, truth is truth. It doesn't change. When God says it's sin, it's sin. And there's no moving from that. So Jesus says, feed my sheep. But then after that, he goes on and he says, shepherd my lambs, shepherd my sheep, shepherd them. That goes beyond just feeding them. This is a time of, uh, of, of meeting all their needs, whatever the need may be. See, needs can be anything. It can be food, it can be emotional support, it can be... Uh, you know, somebody there during a difficult time. It can be, uh, you know, clothes on their back. It can be anything that, that rises up. And our job is that. We are to be the need meters as a, as a people of God. When people are in need, we are to be there for them. Are you awake today? You're kind of half asleep out there. <laughs> when we serve God, we serve people. Isn't that what scripture says? And when we serve people, we serve God. That's what God demands of his people, is that we minister to those people in need. And Peter's trying to tell him, he's equating them. Love is service. You can't take the two things away. What scripture say about somebody coming and knocking on your door and saying, oh, I, I am hungry, and you say, well, great, I'll pray for you. And I don't need you to pray for me right now. I need a sandwich. You know? <laughs> and that's what Scripture tells us. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll just pray for you. But if we can meet the need, our job is to meet the need. That's what we're called to do. We step out and meet the need. And that's what, what Jesus is trying to get through to Peter. And he's grilling him on that. You're to feed my sheep, but you're also to shepherd my sheep. That means we, we do what we need to do to see them come into the kingdom of God. We, we, we are there for them. We guide them. We direct them. We teach them. Whatever it is. Now, we as a church, I think, do pretty well at that. I mean, we, uh, and I've mentioned it many times, we give in, in a lot of different ways as a church. We support children. Um, we support missionaries, we support the work in Haiti, we do the pregnancy center, we, a lot of different ways that we do that. But, I think in the coming year we can always do more. Shouldn't we always have a goal to do more? To help people, to minister to people? Uh, we do that, and you'll see that in a, in a couple of weeks, exactly how that breaks down and how much this little tiny body way up in the middle of nowhere in I own actually does uh, minister to the world. And it's quite amazing. But we have to realize, to be a true follower of God and effective in ministry, it has to start, not in the church, not out in the world, but it has to start in our own home. It has to start in our own heart, right within our own home. The strongest adversary the devil will ever fight in this, in, on this earth is a, a spirit-filled, spirit-led child of God who, who, has, who, who carries that message at home and everywhere they go. It can't be on the outside, but not on the inside. See, when we look at uh, 
what the devil is attacking, what he's fighting. We, we know where the strongest things are because he comes at the strongest things the hardest. The strongest institution, the most powerful and effective institution in the United States is the home, the family. What's inside that home, that's where the next leaders come from. That's where the saints of God rise up from. That's where the, the prayer that bathes our world is, happens. The home is the, is the powerhouse of our country. And if the devil can break down the home, he breaks down the nation. Ephesians 5, 20 uh, two says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands. Now, I mean, you can almost feel the tension in the air when you just read that passage. <laughs> Do you know that scripture, right? <laughs> See, when that foundation is strong in the home, the foundation for our children is strong. And when there's a... I've been in the military. I know several here have been in the military. If that command structure ever breaks down, the structure falls apart. Everything falls apart. Why is it that the enemy wants to take out the, the command headquarters? Because the troops go in disarray. When there's no leader. There has to be that command structure. God chose the structure. Man did not choose the structure. He chose the structure and he said this is the way it is. Why? Because that's the way that we have strength. What's the best thing for a child? The best way to raise a child is in a strong home with a mother and a father there. Now, we have children being put into Horrible situations nowadays with homosexual relationships, transgenders raising children. I think that's the most horrible thing that you can do to a child. Awful thing. But you want to have a strong child, have a father that stands up boldly and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ and says, As for me and my home, we will serve the Lord. And next to him, there should be a wife who willingly says, I'm following that leadership because God placed him there and he is my leader and we're going together towards the kingdom of God. And when you do that, the children are strong. The children grow up and understand. That passage goes on and it says, Husbands, love your wives. See, he's not talking about some control freak dominating idiot. He's talking about a man who knows how to lead the way God called him to lead. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I find it amazing sometimes how a man can get into his truck and start down the road and pick out the weirdest little noise and say, what's that? What is that little tick? I've never heard that before. What is that? Something's just not driving exactly right. And they're obsessed with fix what is that but the whole time they're worried about that little noise or that little thing that isn't driving right in their truck their wife is sitting next to them dying and they're totally oblivious to where her needs are i don't get that sometimes men now you know men can be oblivious you know we, we can have a train wreck happen in front of us and if we're focused on something else we don't know 
I mean, get a good John Wayne movie on, the house could burn down just until, as long as the TV doesn't shut down. I wouldn't even notice. That's just as men. But let me tell you something. God called you to be attentive to your wife. That's part of leadership. God called you to be attentive to your wife. What are her needs? Now your job is to meet those needs. What are her problems? What are her struggles? And then he said that he might sanctify it in cleansing with the, with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Health, spiritual health, comes from that relationship at home. See, you can't be one guy at home and a different guy out in the world. You can't be one woman at home and a different woman out in the world. It has to be a heartfelt relationship with Almighty God. A man that stands and says, I will lead this home right into the kingdom of God. And a woman that says, I'm right with you. Let's do this thing together. And she doesn't have to be told to submit. She doesn't have to be forced to submit. She wants to submit to him because God placed him there. Well, what gave him that right? He was born male. I'm sorry, ladies. That's the way it is. (laughs) that's the way God did it. He didn't even consult me on it. He didn't even ask me. He just did it. But when God places that together, the children grow strong. The children grow strong because they realize that that this is mom and this is dad and they're, they're, they're leading. They are the ones, they're showing me and they are the same person every day. They don't change, they don't, they're not hypocritical, they don't tell me one thing and do another thing and those children grow strong and they want to serve God. Now in this coming year, what I find is that I want to see, or, or my passion, is, my heart is, I want stronger families than we've ever had. I want stronger families. Why? Because the church will be stronger. And when the church is stronger, then the community will get reached for Jesus Christ. That will happen. The the home is the battlefront. It's the battleground. It's where the devil is trying his hardest to tear down. But the home is where the true saints of God show forth their praises to Almighty God. They, they don't come to church once a week, lift their hands just once and say, praise the Lord. Every day their heart and their life show forth Jesus Christ in what they do. I want to see us as a church minister more than we've ever ministered before. We give a lot. And we have some, some people that work tirelessly in this church. And I am so grateful grateful for them and you need to be grateful for them. They, they are faithful. They do what they're called to do. And and you know what I like about it? And you have this in every church. Is there's that small group that when they see a need, they take care of it. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter if they really want to take care of it. Doesn't really matter if that's where they feel like their calling is. They say there's a need, let's take care of it. But unfortunately, it's too easy to fall on the other side that says there's a need. Why don't you take care of it? That's the, that's the easy side. I want us. And I've said this many times, I'm going to say it again, I want everybody in this church to find their role and go forward with that role. Whatever it may be, God has called you. God has placed a mantle of calling upon you. With that, as he said to Peter, do you love me? 
Yes, God, I love you. Then do something. That's what he was doing with Peter. Do you love me? Yes, God, I love you. Great, now do something. Do you love me? Yes, God, I told you I love you. Great, now do something. I want to see us be more effective than we ever were before as a church. Fill the void. Fill that gap, whatever that need is. Uh, there, I know we have needs with janitorial. We have needs with the children. We have all kinds of things that, could, that, that we need more help with in this church. But we could have ministries that we don't have now. Very specific ministries for whatever. Senior citizens, homeless, children, whatever it may be. Find a place. Do that. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> Father, we just look to you. And God, I know that you have called us. This church has done and does an amazing work for being such a small group of people way out in the middle of nowhere, it seems. But God, you, you literally moved the world by this little church, by the support, by the way that it has such a heart to do for you, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you will put it into the hearts of everyone here. Everyone, Lord. If they don't have a place, Lord, I pray that you will light a fire in their heart and their soul right now to find that place, that calling that you have, that you've called them to do. Lord, that whatever it may be, I pray that you'll place them in that and give them the courage, give them the passion, and give them the anointing to do whatever it may be. Father, I just love you and I praise you. Hallelujah.